Hi, I'm Dan Jones. And I'm Mia Lee, and we are the editors of Modern Love at The New York Times and co-hosts of the Modern Love podcast. We read love stories for a living. And by love stories, we mean essays written by real people about all forms of human connection. We're talking about everything from first dates to funerals, from sibling rivalries to new love at 85. On our show, we're going to bring those stories to life. We'll hear from the writers and also from the people who are written about. Relationships are the most important things in our lives. And the people that tell us their stories are just so brave, like way braver than I think I am most of the time. Yeah. They're so honest and so vulnerable. And listening to the stories, I feel like you absorb so much wisdom and you get a sense that you're not alone. You can follow Modern Love wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. We hope you'll join us. New episodes are out every Wednesday. From the New York Times, I'm Michael Barbaro. This is The Daily. Today. House Speaker Paul Ryan says his tax cuts are for the middle class. But that assumes that an economic tax plan where money goes to the wealthy and makes its way down works. Love it or hate it, trickle-down economics is back. It's Monday, November 13th. Peter Goodman, what happened to the U.S. tax code in the early 1980s? So what happened was a fellow by the name of Ronald Reagan was elected president of the United States. He had campaigned as the avowed enemy of the so-called pencil-necked bureaucrats of Washington. We're going to put an end to the money merry-go-round where our money becomes Washington's money to be spent by states and cities exactly the way the federal bureaucrats tell us it has to be spent. And he promised that he was going to take power away from the people who were confiscating the hard-earned wealth Mm -hmm. of the working people of America and give it back to those working people and to businesses. And so he came in and he slashed corporate tax rates. He slashed uh, individual tax rates. He slashed the top tax rates, which at that point still reached somewhere around 70%. And he dropped them first into Mm -hmm. the 50s and then eventually into the 30s. And what was the big economic argument behind these Reagan tax cuts? It was this elegant idea that if you gave more freedom to businesses and individuals, you gave them control over their money, that businesses would invest more, they would hire more, consumers would go out and spend on productive things and jobs and economic growth would result. We can't have jobs unless the people have both money to invest and the faith to invest it. This theory has a name. The name is... Supply-side economics is the branch of economics. Supply-side economics. Trickle-down economics is... Trickle-down economics. uh, Cutting tax rates. Back in the 1890s, according to the economist John Kenneth Galbraith, there was the notion of the horse and sparrow theory, the idea that if you feed a horse more oats, the horse will get nice and fat, but will also pass along more of the nutrients to the sparrows who come and feast on the manure. This is literally a theory that things will pass from the top down to the bottom, whether it's the rich to the poor or the horse to the sparrow. 
the idea is that if the people at the top of the economic pyramid are feeling wealthy, then they'll go out and spend, and everybody further on down will collect a cut. That's the idea. Together, we can forge a new beginning for America. Thank you, and good night. So, Peter, after Reagan cut taxes, when is the next time we see trickle-down style tax cuts put into place in the U.S.? It's 2001. The U.S. is feeling the hangover from the dot-com bubble. It was the worst single-day point loss ever for both exchanges, the Dow and the Nasdaq plummeting. And there's a recession. And then I have a tax relief for all people who pay the bills in America, because I think you can spend your money more wisely than the federal government can. George W. Bush comes into office and George W. Bush delivers one point three five trillion dollars worth of tax cuts over the next decade. The vast majority of the benefits of these tax cuts go to the wealthiest people. So in both the case of Reagan and Bush, the promise was that large tax cuts would trickle through the economy. And even if they might especially help the well-off, they would create a lot of economic benefit to everybody else in the middle and the working class. Is that what actually happened? Broadly, no. What has happened instead is that wealthy people have gotten much wealthier. The super rich are getting richer. More and more of the spoils of American economic growth have flowed to the top 10% of income earners, and the bottom 90% has fallen further away. And we can see this, particularly if we look at what's happened to wages since the mid-1970s, where the vast majority of American working people, roughly 80% of the workforce, have seen their wages decline in real terms, which is to say, after you factor in what you bring home in your paycheck, and you look at what it costs you for housing, health care, and other costs that have gone up, the average American worker, most American workers, has ended up with less since the mid-1970s. And these two experiences with trickle-down economics has not only failed to address that, it's in fact made it worse. The richest Americans made nearly 20% of all the available income in America last year. That's the widest income gap since the roaring 20s. Most of the sort of mainstream economists will tell you that trickle-down economics is this elegant theory that has never actually worked. And if you try it again, what you'll get is a greater economic inequality and diminished economic growth. And you may get a boom in the stock market, but it will not lead to the sort of robust economic growth that would, in fact, reach all the way down to the middle and the bottom of the economic pyramid. Most mainstream economists just do not buy that story, and they're more skeptical of it now than they were back in the 80s. And we're live now at the Ways and Means Committee Room on Capitol Hill for the Republicans' announcement on their tax reform plan. Welcome. It is great to have you here with us today. Fantastic. This plan is for the middle-class families in this country who deserve a break. It is for the families who are out there living paycheck to paycheck who just keep getting squeezed. The Tax Cut and Jobs Act will deliver real relief for people in the middle, people who are also striving to get there. So what is Paul Ryan now proposing with his tax plan in the House? 
The House bill involves essentially $1.5 trillion in tax cuts over the next decade. Roughly a trillion of that goes to businesses in the form of lowering corporate taxes. And then something like $300 billion goes to individuals, mostly higher income hmm. and some middle income. And then $200 billion goes uh, almost entirely to wealthy people through a repeal of the estate tax. And oh, by the way... When you get our tax rates down on our businesses as deeply as we're dropping them in the bill we're proposing, that's good for everybody. That's good for jobs. It's good for wages. It's good for economic growth. So two-thirds of this bill is going to corporate tax cuts. One-third is going to individual tax cuts, some of which is going to the middle class, but most of which is going to higher-income people. That sounds like trickle-down. Yes, President Trump and Republicans believe bigger corporate profits will have a trickle-down effect, creating more jobs and higher wages. They insist on the same old myth of trickle-down tax cuts. The entire economic theory that Senate Republicans and President Trump have embraced with this budget is called trickle-down economics. This whole theory is a fraud and has been when it applied, an abysmal failure. What are some of the reasons why Speaker Paul Ryan thinks that this tax plan and the philosophy behind it will work, despite some of the historical context? He is saying that if you cut taxes, we will see businesses go out and hire and create good jobs. Mm -hmm. And that suggests that we live in an America today where all these business leaders would love to hire people, but they just don't have any money. Mm. And that's just demonstrably ridiculous. It's very difficult to imagine that the problem with the shortage of high-paying jobs is that companies don't have enough money. American companies are earning, in many cases, record profits. The idea that if you give them even more money, well, then they'll go higher – that's very hard to square with economic reality. American businesses have plenty of money at the ready to go and hire people and pay people higher wages than they're paying now. And they're not doing that. They're not hiring people at higher wages for a whole bunch of reasons that have nothing to do with tax reform. And the idea that if you give companies a break on their corporate taxation, that will somehow change their incentive to pay their workers more, well, that goes against the grain of what we've seen play out in the United States over the last half century. When corporations have ended up with more in their coffers, what they've done again and again is they've handed out bigger bonuses to mm -hmm. executives, bigger dividends to shareholders, and hired top-notch people at the high end while continuing to squeeze everybody else as an unwanted cost. And that dynamic does not change through any form of corporate tax relief that's on the table now. You know, a family of four in America has a median income of $59,000. That person's, that family's going to get a $1,200 tax cut. Paul Ryan, Not nevertheless, still seems to argue that this tax plan that he's championing is very much for the middle class. So we really believe that getting this middle income tax cut and then getting our tax system so that it makes sense to stay in America as a business and hire Americans means we'll get more jobs and higher wages and we'll give a break to people struggling in this country. And that's good for the economy. So why do you think, given everything you've just said about how this actually has worked in the past, that he might believe that so strongly? 
You know, there's something very deep in modern American culture that makes us susceptible to buy into narratives that involve government being the enemy. And Paul Ryan comes very much out of that tradition. I mean, this this idea that any money you give the government is money that's just going to be squandered, wasted by some idealistic, out-of-touch bureaucrat who never gets out into the real America uh, and understands the struggles of real people. But we have to look at where the money is actually going. This idea that you give money to people at the top and everybody below hopes that uh, somehow through the magic of the horse and sparrow theory or trickle down or supply side or whatever you want to call it, they're going to come out ahead. And, and again, I mean, the evidence shows that that has actually happened zero times. So if this model hasn't worked in the past, Peter, why does this idea of trickle down economics keep coming up when we talk about how tax policy should work in this country? A combination of ruthless self-interest and economic illiteracy. Hmm. I mean, I, I was at the World Economic Forum in Davos in January. Your Majesty, distinguished heads of state and government, excellencies. This is, you know, the annual meeting of the masters of the universe who control all the money. A very cordial welcome to the 47th annual meeting of the World Economic Forum. We meet here at an extraordinary moment of history. We are in the midst of a deep transformation of economies, of society, of politics. And we are here to construct the future. And I was having dinner with a preeminent economist who had just come from a meeting of hedge fund billionaires and uh, Hmm. private equity managers. And he said that to a head, they were all extremely enthusiastic about the Trump presidency. This is happening, you know, the week before Trump is inaugurated because the one thing they can see happening is tax cuts. That that alone... Not, you know, infrastructure spending, not some plan to boost wages and spending power for consumers. The one thing they could see working out in their worldview was tax cuts. And we've seen evidence that these people are voting with their dollars because we've had this extraordinary run up in the stock market since Trump has been inaugurated. A lot of reason to cheer. Millions of Americans are making big money. Your stocks or 401k have likely gone up recently. The Dow Jones hit an all-time high today, going over 22,000 for the first time ever. Apple stock. But how that somehow translates into economic growth for everybody else, we're still waiting for that. I mean, we've been waiting for that now for 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 four decades. And so this idea is the idea that never dies because the first part of it, the part where wealthy people get massive tax breaks, that part actually does happen. Hmm. And that part can always happen. And so there's always a temptation for people who like the idea of paying less in taxes if they have a lot of money. There's always the temptation to persuade somebody that the trickle-down story will really work this time. You're going to see numbers and you're going to see growth and you're going to see jobs and you're going to see uh, really wages going up. And something we're seeing now is for the first time in 
a long time, wages are starting to rise for people. In some cases, they've been 18 to 21 years without a real salary increase or wage increase. So a lot of good things are happening, but this is the final element, tax cuts and tax reform. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Michael. On Thursday, Senate Republicans released their own version of the tax plan in response to criticism that the House proposal was not, in fact, for the middle class. The Senate plan would delay a major cut in the corporate tax rate by a year and reinstate several tax breaks used by middle class families. Both chambers are under pressure to pass a tax reform bill by the end of the year. We'll be right back. Wells Fargo is proud to be by the side of women and diverse small business owners leading the way to recovery. Their drive to pivot their business is showing others the way. Wells Fargo is donating roughly $420 million in grants through the Open for Business Fund that provides support to nonprofit organizations that support small businesses impacted by COVID-19. Find out more at wellsfargo.com together. Here's what else you need to know today. Over the weekend, President Trump and the former directors of the U.S. intelligence agencies went back and forth over the president's comments that he believed Vladimir Putin when he said Russia did not meddle in the 2016 election. On Saturday, talking to reporters on board Air Force One, the president dismissed the intelligence chiefs, who have all said meddling occurred, as hacks. By not confronting the issue directly and not acknowledging to Putin that we know that you're responsible for this, I think he's giving Putin a pass. On Sunday morning, former CIA director John Brennan went on CNN to criticize the president's comments. And I think it demonstrates to Mr. Putin that uh, uh, Donald Trump can be played by foreign leaders who are going to appeal to his ego and to try to play upon his insecurities, which is very, very uh, worrisome from a national security standpoint. Brennan was joined by the former director of national intelligence, James Clapper, who suggested the president is being manipulated with flattery by leaders like Putin. You know, he seems very uh, susceptible to rolling out the red carpet and uh, honor guards and all this, all the trappings uh, and pomp and circumstance that that come with the office. And and I I think that... uh, uh, that appeals to him, and it, uh, I think it plays to uh, his insecurities. On Sunday afternoon. I believe that President Putin really feels, and he feels strongly, that he did not meddle in our election. What he believes is what he believes. The president walked back his original remarks about Putin. I'm with our agencies, especially as currently constituted with their leadership. I believe in our intel agencies, our... And everybody in this room, every person watching on these cameras should ask themselves, isn't it strange that after 40 years of constant investigation, people have waited to four weeks prior to the general election to bring their complaints? That's not a coincidence. It's an intentional act to stop campaign. Roy Moore the Republican Senate nominee in Alabama's special election, is resisting calls to end his campaign 
amid allegations he made sexual advances towards teenage girls. Instead, both Moore and his political ally, former White House strategist Steve Bannon, are seeking to discredit the women who have spoken out and the newspaper that first reported their claims. The Bezos Amazon Washington Post that dropped that dime on Donald Trump is the same Bezos Amazon Washington Post that dropped the dime this afternoon on Judge Roy Moore. Now, is that a coincidence? That's what I mean when I say opposition party, right? In an interview with The Times, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell declined to say whether he would seat more if he wins in the December special election and deflected a question about whether Republicans would support a write-in candidate to run against Moore. That's it for The Daily. I'm Michael Barbaro. See you tomorrow. You're still running your business on QuickBooks? More like quicksand. The bigger your company grows, the faster you sync with outdated software. NetSuite by Oracle is the scalable solution to run all key back office operations, no matter how big your company grows. 93% of surveyed organizations increase visibility and control since making the switch from QuickBooks to NetSuite. Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program. Head to netsuite.com daily. That's special financing at netsuite.com daily. netsuite.com daily.